Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast helping attorneys achieve more success. We're glad you can listen today on the Legal Talk Network. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and I am an attorney with a singular passion for helping other lawyers be more successful with their law firm businesses. My team at How to Manage a Small Law Firm and I work directly with lawyers across the country to help them achieve success as they define it. In the unbillable hour, each month we explore an area important to growing revenues, giving you back more of your time and or improving your professional satisfaction in one of the key areas of your business. I start with the fundamental premise that a law firm business exists primarily to provide for the financial, personal, and professional needs of you, its owner. In this program, I have a chance to speak to you, as I do in presentations across the country, about what it takes to build and operate your law firm like the business that it is. I have a chance to introduce you to a new guest each month to talk about how to make that business work for you instead of the other way around. Before we get started, I do want to say a thank you to our sponsors, Answer One and Solo Practice University. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering services provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or online at www.answerone.com. That's www.answer1.com. Solo Practice University is a great resource for solos no matter how long you've been practicing. Make sure you check out solopracticeuniversity.com and learn how to run your practice better. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Transference of Trust. One of the topics I cover in the Unbillable Hour is marketing, and marketing is, of course, the lifeblood of any business, and particularly of law firms. Yet lawyers have many misconceptions about marketing, what it is and what it is not, and often don't give it the attention that it needs. One of the axioms of business, in fact, is that all else being equal, people will choose to do business with someone or some business, but that some business is usually represented by someone that they know, like, and trust over someone that is missing those characteristics. My guest today is Vikram Rajan. Vic is a founder of phoneblogger.net and a partner at Practice Marketing, Inc., In a very real sense, what Vikram does is help businesses, especially law firms, figure out how to get the prospective clients to know, like, and trust them. So let's get started with the transference of trust. Vikram, first of all, welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I uh, made a really, really brief introduction of you. Um, You run a business called phoneblogger.net. Let me just ask you to expand a little bit on my introduction. What is it you do? What does phoneblogger.net do for its customers? So PhoneBlogger is a marketing service for law firms predominantly. We call it internet word-of-mouth marketing. You know, as you know, most lawyers uh, need to stay top of mind with their referral relationships, be it clients, other lawyers, their networking colleagues. And if they're out of sight, they're out of mind, they're out of those referrals. And so we solve that challenge of keeping top of mind. You know, one of the simplest ways is to send out an email newsletter but who's going to sit down and think of article ideas and then write them and edit them and optimize them for search and social media and then finally get it onto the website or a blog and 
uh, make sure it's optimized again on the website itself and then promote it through social media and then get it finally into that email newsletter. Well, that's what Phone Blogger does. We interview our clients, the law partners, over the phone, brainstorm article ideas with them, and then turn what they say into finished, optimized articles using their words. So it's their personality, their expertise, their approval, and stays within attorney advertising rules as thus. And they don't have to do any of that grunt work of the technology aspect of getting it onto the site and social and search. And they could just sit back and get the introductions and referrals and speaking invitations uh, that phoneblogger.net arranges and it gets for them. You know, it's funny that you, uh, now that you say that, I think I'm going to have a, a, um, a C to add to your four C's because one of the things that you just talked about, um, and the, of course our listeners are like four C's, what are they talking about? We're going to be talking about in just a second. But, uh, but one of the things about that you just mentioned that seems to be really important. And I just had a really long conversation with a, uh, member, a member client of ours today is consistency. Um, and that is that, you know, when you do something, whether it be a blog or a um, social media posting or uh, a podcast or whatever, that doing it week in, week out, month in, month out on a consistent and regular basis is a real important factor in developing that audience and developing that trust. Um, and, and so I think that, that, that that's an important point to make that sort of jumped out from what you just said. Absolutely. It's, consistency is the pulse literally of marketing and consistency is at the heart of, of brands. You know, what we repeat is essentially what our brand is, what we repeat of what we say becomes our slogans, our MO, how we dress consistently becomes a personal brand and consistency is the bane of existence for a lot of us who are busy or who have maybe short attention spans or extremely busy with client service. And it's hard to be consistent with the marketing but inconsistent marketing leads to inconsistent results. And it's tough to make the time to do things over and over again. And, uh, you know, again, phoneblogger.net helps with that because we can take the onus on us to make sure it's done properly and correctly and make sure that it takes minutes of our uh, attorney-client time and so they can get back to doing what they love and what they need to do with client service or even family time. Yeah. So um, in one of my previous shows uh, that, that I imagine you've obviously listened to lots of times, um, we talked about, um, we were talking, it was a different show where we talked about marketing. We talked about the fact that uh, marketing is about giving, giving to the marketplace so that you can get from the marketplace. Um, and what we're talking about today, what, or at least what I would like to talk about with you today, it comes from some things that I've seen that you've written is about what marketing, so like what we talked about in that show is that the marketing's main job is to bring qualified prospects to the door of the law firm in the right quantity, um, with the right expectations, in the right frame of mind, basically ready to buy so that the sales department of the business or of the law firm can then convert them into clients. What we didn't talk about and what I wanna talk about with you is that right frame of mind. We didn't go in depth and for me, uh, from reading what you wrote and from learning from some other places, one of the right frames of mind that is so important is that the marketing that's done develops a mindset in the prospects that they know, like, and trust the law firm or business that they're looking at doing business with. And of course, if, if you don't know them, delivering that feeling of knowing, liking, and trusting them can be challenging. Um, so I wanted to talk to you today a little bit about how business owners can build that trust in the marketplace. In other words, how do you begin the process 
with prospects, prospects who may not know you to get them to know you a little, like you a little more, and trust you. And to that end, you've written about the four C's of referability, um, and I'd like you to talk about that. But before we do that, like, what do you mean by referability, and how can they begin that process? Referability simply is, are you able to be referred in the basic sense of it, meaning are you qualified to be referred? Uh, do you uh, earn those referrals where people feel strongly about referring you and being a raving fan of yours? And, you know, sometimes we fall short of uh, delighting a client or we fall short in the integrity of expectations. And that may not be even legal service. It's everything around that. It's returning phone calls and things of that nature that some lawyers fall short on. And it's, you know, even if you do good work, it's, I don't know if I really uh, trust in actually referring that person, even if they uh, do great work. And that's the referability aspect. Okay. So, so someone could, so what you're saying, I think is like someone could have a reputation for getting great work done, but if they're missing these attributes of referability, then I might be, as let's say, if I had had an experience with them, I might be reluctant to refer them because they're lacking one of these. And at the end of the day, and this is really important, I think, is that when I refer, if I make a referral, if, uh, if I refer someone to you, I'm putting my reputation on the line as well. And if I refer you a jerk, then I'm going to, um, even if they do really great work, it's still going to hurt me. I'm not going to look good for making that referral. And so I guess what you're saying is that they won't have referability. I won't refer them because I'm worried about them being a jerk and reflecting badly on me. Absolutely. It's, it's that reflection of reputation. When we refer someone, it's exactly what you said. When we refer someone, we're putting our, our neck on the line, which is very often while we find ourselves referring, let's say, a short list, three lawyers, and say, here, you pick uh, which one you like, and it kind of trying to take the onus on us so that if something goes wrong, goes badly, uh, we, we aren't in some way blamed, and maybe they're not going to literally directly blame us because we, you know, well, we have no actual skin in the game necessarily, uh, but it still looks bad on us, and we still feel bad and apologetic, and then we have to kind of take a bone with that uh, attorney and say, what happened and what gives? And while we don't want to go into anything private or confidential, we still want to make sure that everyone is happy and fulfilled in that business relationship. So that becomes important as well. Yeah, and particularly in the law, when the truth of the matter is that the vast, the overwhelmingly vast majority of consumers of legal services actually have very poor capability to choose a good lawyer. They just don't have the criteria um, or the ability to develop the criteria to pick a good lawyer. So the referability and the references become outlandishly and hugely um, important in this business as compared to some others. Oh, absolutely. It, it, you know, maybe we'll get on to uh, the aspect of review sites and testimonials a little later in the yeah. conversation. But that's what makes these things so subjective and unfortunately incorrect because uh, you know, any one of us may have uh, experience with maybe one or two lawyers exclusively, uh, especially from a consumer standpoint, they may have experience with a real estate lawyer buying their home or what have you, or maybe with a business co contract, uh, some transactional attorney with some type of business matter or an HR lawyer in a workplace. But that's about it. And unfortunately, you know, for the public, uh, very often it's, you know, I know a lawyer and here is the lawyer I know, but they don't realize that lawyers have specific uh, uh, practice areas that they focus in on. And so I often use an analogy of how doctors are focused in different uh, medical areas, 
very often, you know, lawyers are the same way. And, and so uh, we have to essentially educate people in terms of uh, what uh, makes you referable in a specific matter. All right. So let's go there. Um, and you know, for the lawyers who listen to this podcast, I think this is going to be really key to understand these four C's of referability that you've broken down um, and so they can understand what they are. Um, the first one that you, uh, that you list uh, when, you, when you've written about this is credibility. So as far as referability is concerned, what do you mean by credibility and why is it important? This is kind of the simplest and obvious one. It's, it's the diplomas and other certificates that are uh, in the back of you in your office um, so credibility becomes very easy when it comes to education and, and experience. Um, and that, those are kind of the simplest ways uh, to recommend someone. If, if they're an, uh, a Harvard Law School trained attorney, it's you know, kind of need say nothing more or another kind of very prestigious uh, institution is very simple to refer on credibility. Years of experience is credibility. Other third-party endorsements become uh, um, become aspects of credibility, which is mm-hmm. uh, why... Who want to know uh, who you've worked with, other companies, other business, uh, other uh, individuals, and the more we know who they are, uh, and they know you, a friend of a friend is a friend, and that kind of brings us closer on that know, like, and trust. That if well, if he likes you, well, then I must trust you as well. Uh, so credibility becomes kind of a basic aspect. Unfortunately, most attorneys do come off extremely credible. Uh, just kind of by definition, they're an attorney, they passed the bar, they've got letters after their name, we assume they're credible. Um, and, and unfortunately, that very often is not enough, uh, because everyone is kind of on that same playing field being credible. Now, I think the challenge is if you lack the credibility for some reason, because uh, the, the, your personal brand isn't matching uh, the credibility aspect, um, because you dress a certain way, speak a certain way, uh, and that can be difficult. However, Maybe you're doing it purposely. You know, after all, if you fit in all the time, by definition, you're not standing out. You're hard to be outstanding in that pun. So from that aspect, maybe you're choosing a different type of personal brand, but that takes a lot of crafting and a personality. And uh, if you want to be the funny lawyer, if you want to be the casual lawyer, you want to be the lawyer in Bahama shorts, that uh, takes a little bit more of a personality. It's a little bit more challenging uh, uh, from a branding perspective um, and, and a credibility perspective. Uh, because do we really trust you if you don't look the part of an attorney or speak the part of an attorney? Uh, but nonetheless, uh, you can do things to uh, niche yourself and to be novel or be necessary in a specific situation. And in that sense, you're not only credible, you are incredible. <laughs> and so, but so credibility, like it sounds like you've broken it down into two aspects. One um, being like your background, your training, right? You, you went to a good law school, you, you have a legal degree. Um, and, uh, you have, you have this kind of training. And then the other one is more situational, like, uh, your, that you fit in with your prospective client base. And, uh, also perhaps, I don't think you specifically mentioned it, but probably prior results for people like me, like you might, like a lawyer might be more credible to me as a prospect if he's helped people like me and can show me the results he's gotten for people like me. Now, yes. Disclaimer aside, that prior results uh, should not imply similar results. <laughs> ever. Um, Correct. Ever. And we should definitely have those disclaimers on our website, brochures, other places that the bar associations uh, mandate us to do so. Um, however, uh, people do assume that it is true. Uh, people are assuming that the positive results you've had or given or produced uh, for others um, is predictable of what my outcome will be. 
Uh, so from that aspect, uh, if, if we assume and see you acting like an expert, acting like a specialist, while you're not going to call yourself an expert or a specialist uh, because of the Bar Association uh, disclaimers and, and prohibitions, nonetheless, people perceive you as such. And um, from a marketing standpoint alone, obviously, that's great from a credibility standpoint. So yeah, sure. absolutely. The more uh, people know us and like us, uh, the more people will know us and trust us. And of course, then there's the ultimate credibility, which is becoming a guest on the Unbillable Hour. Um, so the next uh, C that you talk about is customer service. Um, so we've talked about credibility, about you know some extrinsic reliability factors that make make prospects. Um, think of you as a good lawyer, and then obviously then make the person referring you willing to do that. Customer service is something quite different. What do you mean by customer service as the second C? Sort of a misnomer, because customer service is very often is service even before they become a customer or client. Sure, so yeah. it's all the kind of fuzzy, sure, yeah. you know, the fuzzy stuff, the soft stuff, um, which makes you uh, human and humane as an attorney. Uh, legal service may be excellent again, but one thing I hear often and over and over again and, and a battle that a lot of people have to fight uh, is responsiveness. So it's how responsive you are by phone, by email, by any other communication, even nowadays by social media, and uh, how quick that response is and how thorough that response is becomes important. Now, you know, attorneys may not want to uh, write a very detailed email back to a client because they don't want to be misconstrued or taken out of context. Ironically, some attorneys nowadays prefer to write a detailed email because they don't want to be misconstrued or taken out of context <laughs> if it's done only by voice or in person. Sure. So, you know, the email question can cut both ways. Uh, there are issues in terms of secure email and making sure that it's, uh, if it's in the cloud, it's especially secure. Email um, may not be seen as the most secure communication uh, between an attorney and client. You know, that's a, a question mark right now. But from a customer service standpoint, it's how responsive you can be. You know, there's a pun that I use often that not only are you being responsive in person by phone, but your website also has to be responsive. In fact, mm. that mobile responsiveness is actually, while a play on words, very important from a search engine standpoint, as well as sure. from a usability standpoint. Now, nowadays, you know, you get referred to someone, one of the first things they're going to do is to Google you or to check you out on a search engine or maybe even social media. And if you come if you don't come up at all or come up very lackluster, the copyright on your website is from three years ago. All those things speak to poor customer service. We don't even know if you're still around, if you're taking on new clients. So the customer service aspect, uh, very, uh, very similar to credibility in that uh, standpoint, hurts your reputation and hurts thus your referability. Right, yeah, because again, that bad customer service either before or after the sale makes me the referrer look bad, which is exactly the opposite of what I'd want and it will reduce your referability. All right, Vic, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to go ahead to break. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the other two C's. Give everybody a hint. It's content and connections. And uh, then I would like to take you up and talk a little bit about um, testimonials as part of the referral process. Um, But uh, first, we'll go ahead to this break and we'll be back in just a second. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter Answer One Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. Answer One is available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. Answer One helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 1-800-ANSWER-1 
or visit them at answerone.com slash podcast for a special offer. That's answer the number one.com slash podcast. Ready to create and build your own solo or small farm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There's only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals, Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than a thousand classes, 58 faculty and mentors. What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today. And we're back with the Unbillable Hour, and I'm talking to Vikram Rajan about the transference of trust. And before we left, um, we, ta- we were talking about the four C's of referability, the ability to be referable by your referral sources. And we talked about credibility, and we talked about customer service. And now we're going to uh, go to the third C uh, now and talk about content. So in these four C's that make you re- a referable attorney, make your business referable by others, what is content? Why does that help? Christopher, you referred to a previous podcast where uh, the more you give, the more you get. Um, and, and content is basically fits right in. You know, content marketing is a buzz phrase now. Uh, we tend to hear a lot about it in the world of internet marketing. Content is king is another phrase that a lot of marketing professionals use, especially when it comes to websites. They tend to refer more to blogs. And as we know, the ABA Journal, American Bar Association Journal, has been running the blog 100 for about 10 years at this point, reading the top 100 lawyer blogs. So they obviously see uh, a great advantage uh, for lawyers as well as for consumers of legal services around content and content marketing. Uh, So that's essentially what content boils down to. It's easier to refer you when you put out pieces of content, when you have nuggets of knowledge uh, on your website and anywhere else. If you're uh, providing a CLE, uh, another type of presentation for the public, other types of content on your website, be a video, podcast, for instance, blogs, of course, even slides, PowerPoint presentations. Sure. All yeah, of those I... are essentially content that other people, those are content that other people are able to refer to and thus re- recommend you and refer you. Yeah, so it's easier to say, hey, let, let me... Uh... I think you might want to really meet my my friend Vikram, um, who could help you with this. And uh, if you want to know a little bit more about what he does, you can check out his website, or you can check out this blog post of his, or you can check out this really fantastic podcast on the Unbillable Hour. And uh, he, you know, that 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 then puts me in a position of knowing someone who's produced this good stuff, which makes me look good, and it makes the prospective client now accept the. Uh, the referral more more ably. I mean, basically, you're building up that trust, right? Building up that trust it enables that uh, potential client to check you out more easily. You know, essentially, it is an infomercial, so they can really read or consume that content uh, anonymously, so to speak. So they don't feel any type of pressure of engaging you as a client, pardon, engaging you as an attorney, and and that. Sales process is easier, especially for people who aren't used to engaging attorneys. Uh, there are plenty of business professionals, long-time business professionals, who are uneasy about working with lawyers. Uh, you know, how much is it going to cost? What's the process going to be like? There's so many of those uncertainties. And if they're able to get to know you and get to know your process through your content, um, it, it, it makes it easier for them to engage you. And, of course, it makes it easier for someone else to refer you. So um, it, it, those are opportunities uh, to 
essentially create an informative business card. Again, that infomercial. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. All right, so we'll jump to the fourth C. We've talked about the first three again, were credibility, um, the you know external and uh, markers of knowing what the heck you're doing, basically. Um, customer service, that you will treat this referral well, um, both before and after the sale. Content, uh, the ability for the referral, the, the possible referral to check you out before getting on a sales call with you, which is uh, really key and also makes helps to make the referrer look good. And then the fourth one is connections. You've listed connections. What is that and how does that make someone more referrable? You know, we, we touched upon it a little bit. The more connected you are, the more you're <laughs> introducing connections to each other, the more credible you are, uh, the more you're able to... Uh, provide better service and resources to your clients, and perhaps even uh, content can be full of links and resources. So connections fall into all three of those, as well mm-hmm. as your connections to the market, to potential consumers of your legal services can be extremely powerful. Your connections are extremely uh, vital. Uh, think of if every one of your clients can bring you one more client, the sustainable exponential process. Now, maybe the math doesn't literally work out, where everyone leads to one more. Uh, maybe you don't want every one of your clients recommending you more like them, uh, but maybe it's the Pareto principle, that 80-20 rule, where 20% of your clients or the right type of client are really bringing you 80% of those referrals, right. or 20% of the attorneys that you know are bringing you other um, client matters. And from that aspect, connections become extremely important. It's hard to break into a specific sector, type of business, type of family, if you're not connected into them, And conversely, when you are connected with the right influencers, centers of influence, leaders in those markets, demographics, obviously it's a lot more easy to break in. And when they vouch for you, again, credibility is assumed. Uh, The know, like, and trust factor is easier, again, because a friend of a friend is a friend. So connections become vital in terms of that uh, endorsement factor um, and that um, referability. Yeah, and the one thing that I would um, add to that, I mean, I think that's exactly right. And then when you put all these together, um, the I think as a ref, as someone who gets the referral, they should always be very attentive to the very important goal of making the referring person, the person who's made the referral, look good. And you know, by by improving the connection back to them by you know doing something special for the client, uh, and this I think again touches all of it, right? It touches customer service, it touches your credibility, it touches even content by making sure that you give back um, something that makes that enhances the credibility and the the uh, respect back to the referring source. Um, so those are the four C's of referability that help you to become a more referable um, provider of any business, but specifically in this context, legal services. Um, what I wanted to do with the minutes, a few minutes that we have left is to now talk about um, how testimonials fit into all this. Um, now, a testimonial, of course, is a statement, whether it's a video statement or a typed statement by a client or former client or someone else who knows you that says something good about you. Um, and from reading some of the stuff you've written and, of course, uh, other sources, like testimonials not only are important but seem to be gaining in importance these days. Um, what do you see as the importance of testimonials and some of the key benefits that lawyers should expect um, from them? And then I'd like you to kind of address how they should be um, collecting them and and using them. 
You know, testimonies are extremely important. You know, we'd be remiss if we didn't remind listeners that different bar associations have pro- pro- different bar associations have prohibitions or restrictions on the use of testimonials by lawyers when it comes to attorney advertising. So we de- definitely want to attend to that and make sure uh, that we're using testimonials appropriately, and of course, with permission with our clients and uh, other colleagues. Uh, but that aside, there's always an ability uh, and value of testimonials in some regard, and it's can be extremely powerful. Uh, video testimonials are becoming popular. Written testimonials are, you know, kind of uh, been around for, for years. Even voice testimonials by phone even it can uh, be extremely effective, shows passion and authenticity. And, you know, from a, a testimonial, marketing has tremendous benefits. And, and we all know that in terms of, of from that third-party endorsement aspect of making sure that people find us credible, helping people realize our value through others. You know, it's hard to brag about ourselves and to stay credible and humble at the same time. Uh, But when other people rave about us, obviously we can uh, enjoy that, uh, uh, that, um, those benefits. We can enjoy the process when other people brag about us and we can point to them as uh, resources. So from that aspect, there are plenty of the kind of the basic things that we know, testimonials work on websites, brochures, et cetera. But uh, even the process of asking someone for a testimonial can be extremely powerful. And I I, I remember sometimes awkward. Yeah, I remember reading about that. I just like like, this really struck me because I hadn't ever thought about testimonials as themselves, the mere asking of them and taking them even before you use them as being powerful. So, yeah, please, please talk more about that. That's really uh, powerful. Yeah, I mean, so sometimes... uh, People, attorneys especially, find it awkward sometimes to ask for testimonials. Now, the simplest time to ask for a testimonial is when someone's thanking you for something. They're thanking you for doing great service. Uh, They're thanking even you for a referral or thanking you for an invitation to something. When they're thanking you, that's a great opportunity to say, oh, can I feature those kind words on my website? It's a nice little line. Can I feature your kind words on my website? And it becomes a simple way of asking for a testimonial. And even the process of asking for a testimonial, you know, I guess if you think about it this way, if, if, if you've ever been in a position where someone's asked you for a testimonial and then gone ahead and, and used what you put together on their website and the brochure, we all feel appreciated and honored that they would even yeah. ask us. And now they're using our words to substantiate and validate what they're doing. We already know they're great. And now they want us uh, to be part of that process. Um, we we have the pleasure of doing so. Uh, so from that aspect, when you ask a raving fan, one of your clients, one of your colleagues for a testimonial, um, they're more than not happy to do so. Now you have to make it easy for them to do it. I, I don't sure, recommend yeah. writing a testimonial and getting them to sign off that that's inauthentic and there are ethics issues even in there. Uh, but you know, if they could pick up the phone and rave about you uh, and, and use it that way, uh, that's, that's really phenomenal. So that client loyalty perspective is tremendous because you're appreciating them. And now, if they have an opportunity of cross-promoting themselves, if it's, a, if it's a, a, a process that they are comfortable sharing who they are and what they do and what they gained, um, we have to do so, again, with attorney advertising ethics in mind. And, and they themselves may not want to uh, talk a lot about the process. If you're a family law attorney or bankruptcy attorney, there may be awkwardness there. Uh, but if they're a trusted estate attorney, they may uh, be happy to talk about it, commercial transactional attorneys. Uh, clients can be happy to talk about kind of the process. They may want not want to talk about the results in, in particular. Sure. But that client loyalty is tremendous. And once you have a loyal client, uh, you know, the referrals come from that. 
Yeah. So, so actually just asking and taking it and, and particularly then when you in, in fact feature it, that can, that can be a huge boost to the relationship that you have with the client, you know, keep them as a more loyal client, like basically create a, an ambassador out of the client for you out there in the world. Um, how do, let's look at this from the, the prospects perspective. How do, um, how are testimonials powerful from the receiving end? Like why, why do, do people see them differently? Yeah, so it's validation. If, if I'm reading a testimonial, um, I want to uh, be validated that I'm making the right choice. Now, if I know who it is making the testimonial, that's even more credible. It's even more powerful, which is why I find, uh, you know, when people are willing to share their name, share their geography, it's even more powerful than an anonymous one. Sure. Who knows how credible that is. Uh, so from a receiver standpoint, it's, it's, a, it's a credibility, it's a validator would, it's an affirming aspect that they made the right decision or they're about to make the right decision to engage you as an attorney. So it's, that itself is powerful. And, and from a, a referral standpoint, you know, it, it's sometimes difficult to refer you because we don't know the right words to say. We don't know exactly how to explain your value. Um, so sometimes people say, oh, just say, write something so I can refer you. But really to ask them and put some onus on them to say, hey, how would you talk about me? And and again, if you're asking this for feedback or a testimonial, um, it's like a referral dress rehearsal. Now, the next time mm-hmm. they have an opportunity of recommending you, they kind of know the words already because they've said it to you. Oh, uh, that's so really cool. Repeat it to others. That's really cool. So yeah, basically, you're helping them. <laughs> you're so you're helping them figure out how to refer you later on down the road by practicing with you and giving you a great testimonial in the meantime. That's that's awesome, and it makes them feel good. I mean, how how can you beat that with a stick? That is that is a that's a really great uh, process, and I think it's a, yeah, it can can create really powerful marketing materials for you. Um, I think we have time for like one more benefit. What's one more benefit that we can get out of testimonials? Um, I would say uh, I'll say uh, I'll kind of summarize two. Uh, okay, great opportunity to kind of steal their words. Uh, so you know, sometimes you, you should always give uh, you should always get permission when you're about to use someone's testimonials, obviously when you're uh, crediting their name to it. But what if you use their testimonial, uh, their words, but you don't give them credit? Suppose you just use it as marketing copy, the text on your website, the headlines, the slogans, things right. that you would use to market yourself. Well, if they could come from how your clients and colleagues explain your value, well, that's tremendous. That's, that's even better because sometimes we spend so much time and money kind of doing market research or testing and figuring out the most clever corporate way of saying what we want to say. And, you know, those slogans sometimes are, you know, they're canned or they're corny or they're too crafted and it kind of lose the essence or you end up sounding like everyone else when quite frankly, you could use normal everyday language. The best way of, of that research is to ask for that feedback, ask for those testimonials and even if you don't use uh, it as a testimonial, you're able to thus use it uh, in your marketing copy, as we call your marketing text. Or if you're hearing the same feedback, maybe the criticisms over and over again, um, maybe it's an opportunity for you to improve um, and or focus how you're providing uh, your legal services. Uh, maybe yeah. there's a change that you can make, and now you're really standing out and, again, enhancing the referability. Yeah, and so basically, yeah, I, what you're saying is that, like, here they are telling you, the clients are telling you, this is what is important to me. And if you can then adopt that, adapt that into your marketing message, if it's important to a couple of your clients, good chance it's important to a lot of the prospects who are looking for a lawyer. 
Um, and so you're basically, it's the most powerful market research you can have. And you're basically using their words to help you attract more people that you can help. I think that's, that's really, really powerful. Thanks for that. So that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Business Success Podcast. Our guest today has been Vikram Rajan. Vic, thanks so much. You've been great. Vic can be found and you can learn more about him. And if uh, you want to learn more about these topics, you can reach him at uh, www.phoneblogger.net um, or on his Twitter handle. You don't mind if I give out your Twitter handle, do you? Problem. Okay, at Vikram Rajan, that's V-I-K-R-A-M-R-A-J-A-N, and also available on LinkedIn um, with the same handle. This is Christopher Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.